Welcome to the 38th episode of It Wasn't Me, a true crime podcast where we discuss murders that intrigue us. I am Cindy. And I'm Mercedes. Thank you for listening to last week's episode that featured an out-of-control, narcissistic husband who kills his estranged wife and daughters. Our show is often horrifying and graphic, and we will use offensive language. So if you have kids, put them away for a while and join us for murder. Also, we are passionate, and we always have been about true crime. But we must warn you, sometimes we will make jokes, and we will laugh during this podcast. Want to learn more about us? Visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com to find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. If you like what you hear and you'd like to help us out, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a five-star rating along with a comment. Also, please recommend our podcast to your friends. The more the merrier. Hey, Mercedes, how you doing? I'm great, Cindy. How are you? I'm doing very well. And your lip looks fantastic. I don't see Thank stitches. You. No, they're there. Oh, okay. They're, they're, they're still They're starting to dissolve a little mm-hmm. bit. Yes, it looks so good. I can tell a difference yeah. when, I, when I, like, if I smile really big, uh-huh. you know, so it, it'll I, take time. I, you know, I was going through some pictures of when we went down to get your nose, and I found some great pictures that I was, I wanted to put on the website, but I wanted to ask you first if that's something that I could do, so... <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if it's something you want to do or not, but... Well, I'll take a look at the pictures. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've kind of been on this journey with you. I'm sure yes. people want to see, you know, the before and afters. Yes. Listen yes. to me. It's getting Listen. there. <laughs> Listen, it's your nose, not mine. <laughs> All right. So, remember how a couple of episodes ago we talked about the 700 Club? Yes. Pat Robertson. <sighs> yes. Okay. So, did you know that Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were founding members? So, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, I did not know that they were founding members, but I do remember this couple because um, I want to say maybe I was a teenager or a little older. How long ago was... Ooh, this would have been like the 70s, 80s, like okay. in the 70s. Okay. Actually, the 700 Club like started like in the 60s. Okay, so they were founding members. Yes, not like founding like as in they started it, but they were really the founding people, like people who were on the show. Oh, are you going to tell me there's a murder surrounding the 700 Club? No. No murder? No murders. Lots of scandal. Okay. So this week we're talking about scandal, not murder. Yes. Okay, good. So this is a good break. Yes. This is a good break for you because I know, sometimes does the murder just kind of weigh down on you when when you're researching? Like Sometimes. I'm trying to like find things that are uh, different a little bit and Mm -hmm. I find that... They're all involving like sexual assault or meth or, you know, I'm just like trying to find something more creative. But and then I think my morbid fascination with this is, (laughs) but, you know. Yeah, I kind of want to do different things because we are a true crime. A true crime, not a true murder. So it could be a crime. Right. Okay, good. Well, there is is a crime. There is a crime. Oh, and it's and it involves Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, who are televangelists, right? Correct. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes. Okay. So. I'm kind of going to break the, break this up. I'm going to tell you about who, where, Jim Baker, who he is, where he's from. Then I'm going to tell you about Tammy Faye. And I kind of go, I'm going to break it. Tammy it's like Faye. levels. Okay. There's levels. I'm, like getting, I'm getting a picture in my mind of her on TV sobbing with black yep. makeup running down her face. Yes, that okay. would be her. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, lots of mascara. Okay. Lots of makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But lots of mascara. Like clown-like. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Okay. So... Jim Baker was born James Orson Baker um, on January 2nd, 1940 in Muskegon, Michigan. Remember from episode 31, we've been there. Episode 31. Can you just remind me of that? Ooh, no, episode. I don't. <laughs> okay. All right. You go ahead. That was the, um, I think, Amy Lee Black or Amy Black. Okay. Okay. So he is the son of Raleigh Baker and Fernora Fernia. Fernia Fern. They called her Fern Irwin. Baker attended North Central University, a Bible college affiliated with the Assemblies of God in Minneapolis. This is where he would meet his future wife, Tammy Faye Lavallee, in 1960. So Assemblies of God, I do know some people who are Assemblies of God, and they are, um, they're very devout. Let me put it that way. Okay, okay. All right, so Tammy Faye, as she is known, Tamara Faye Lavalley was born March 7, 1942 in International Falls, Minnesota to Pentecostal preachers Rachel Minnie Fairchild and Carl Oliver Lavalley. So that's exactly like Assembly of God. I believe that is a Pentecostal branch. Yes, I believe so. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
1960, Tammy Faye met Jim Baker while they were students at the North Central Bible College in Minneapolis. Tammy Faye worked in a boutique for a time while Jim worked in a restaurant inside a department store in Minneapolis. So they were students. Both of them were students there. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is correct. Okay. They were soon married on April 1st, 1961. The following year, they moved to South Carolina, where they would begin their ministry and initially traveling around the United States. Jim preached while Tammy sang songs and played the accordion. In 1970, she gave birth to a daughter, Tammy Sue. They called her Sissy. And in 1975, they gave birth to a son named Jamie. So they named their children after themselves. Tammy, yeah, essentially. I mean, essentially, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so Jim and Tammy Faye had been involved with television from the time of their departure from Minneapolis until they moved to their Charlotte er- to the Charlotte area via Portsmouth, Virginia. Portsmouth. Where- Portsmouth? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't. You would know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> All right, so they were founding, like I said, they were founding members of the 700 Club. Um, they were host of a popular children's show called Jim and Tammy, and then they created a puppet ministry for children on the Pat Robertson's Christian Pat Robert Robertson's Christian Broadcast Network CBN, which ran from 1964 to 1973. Oh, have you ever seen? Well, yeah, no, you wouldn't have. <laughs> okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Before I get too deep into the Baker story, I think I should go over what exactly the 700 Club is. Oh Lord, I mean, I have so many opinions about the 700 Club, and none of them are very positive. So. I just don't want to offend our think, listeners. Well, no, no, we're not. I'm not going to, we're not going to, I don't think what I'm going to go over I is going to be offensive. Yeah. I mean, I think you have like a negative connotation, but originally I think that, I mean, I, I tell you why they named it the 700 Club. Okay. And um, I just have watched it because when my mother was sick, right. um, we sat in her room and like, this is what we watch and, and they distort the news. They, <clears throat> they make it very negative. Um, it's all related, you know, like. Uh, a flooding flooding in Malaysia was caused because of a homosexuality. Like, those are the right. kinds of things they yeah. say. I mean, they're very, yeah. All right, so the 700 Club is the flagship television program for CB, for this, for the CBN, which is the Christian Broadcasting Network, airing each weekday in a syndication in the United States, available worldwide on CBN.com. But you said you still see it. So what the funny thing is, is on this channel called Freeform, I believe is what it's called. And Freeform is a family channel, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of edgy. So like it'll put shows on there with cuss words and stuff. And then play the 700 Club. And then right after the the show, they'll play the 700 Club. Like here, here, let's... Let's redeem ourselves. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the news magazine program features live guests, daily news, contemporary music, testimonies, and Christian ministry. Celebrities and other guests are often interviewed on the show and Christian lifestyle issues are presented. The program additionally features world news stories plus investigative reporting by CBN News Team. The 700 Club has been in production since 1966. Wow. Right. In 1962, the station suffered financially and they almost closed. So so you're saying that it's been in production since... Oh, okay. So the Christian Broadcasting Network has the, been... Well, the 700 okay. Club. Okay. So in 1962, <clears throat> the station suffered financially and almost closed. So to keep the station on the air, which was WYAH, produced a television telethon edition of the show. For the telephone telethon, Pat Robinson set a goal of 700 members contributing $10 a month, which was is equivalent to about $85 in 2019. So 700 people contributing $85 well, a year. No, a month. Oh. $10, that's the conversion. So Whoa. $10 from 1962, $10 in 1962 is like $85 today. Wow. Yeah. So, which so he's going to get an airplane. <laughs> and a mansion. <laughs> well, which was enough to support the station. Oh, I bet. So he originally, that was, that's where the 700 Club came from. So if I can get 700 members, because they were in financial dire straits, so 700 members donating $10 a month will keep us afloat. And so the name just stuck. The telethon was successful, and they still held it annually there, after that. I did not know that. That's an interesting fact. Yeah, I had no I idea. Didn't, I didn't know that either. All right. So after the telethon in 1966, the 700 Club continued as a nightly two-hour Christian variety program show. So, I mean, it's kind of like a variety show, kind of like Hee Haw. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, so but it was Christian. Just, yeah. yeah. Gospel and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. So there was preaching. There was group prayer. Bible study, interview segments. Um, the music was hymns, uh, instrumental pieces, Southern gospel music, and urban gospel music. Ooh, urban gospel. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I kind of think, I'm like, that's like a good thing if that's like what you're into. I mean, I think that would be a good, uh, you know. I mean, I mean, we used to watch Hee Haw. Why not? 
Yeah. So, okay. I said if, you're, that's, if that's what you're into. All right. So, the first permanent host of the program was Jim Baker. Okay. All right. So, who, along with his then-wife, Tammy Faye Baker, also hosted the children's show, as I mentioned. But it was Come On Over, later retitled Jim and, T- retitled Jim and Tammy. So, they did have, I remember that they had a show. Mm-hmm. It must have been called Jim and Tammy Show or something like that. In my mind, I, I picture, I think this must have been later, but, like, I, I see them, like, in an RV or, like, sitting outside their RV and having, like, a little powwow with their buddies. Okay, see, so yeah, I'm picturing, That like might have been something studio. else, though. Okay, okay. All right, so the couple left CBN in 1972. Reportedly, Jim Baker was fired by Pat Robertson over physiological... Physolo- Philosophical. <laughs> Thank you. Philosophical differences. The Bakers then moved to help, uh, moved on to help launch the Trinity Broadcasting Network, TBN, before starting their own television ministry and signature show, the PTL Club. All right. So two things. I remember the PTL Club, but also Trinity Broadcasting Network. I thought that stood for the Bible Network. See, I've learned two good things so far. Oh, really? The Bible. I always thought it was the Bible Network. Mm. Okay, interesting. That's still on the air. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the so their signature show would then be the PTL Club. Okay, I rem- that's the one I'm thinking of when I say, when I picture. Probably. Yes. Yeah. All right. So after the Bakers left, some staffers at the station reportedly responded by destroying the Baker sets and their puppets. Pat Robertson took over as host and evolved his 700 Club by cutting back on the music and preaching and heading toward a talk show format developed that was originally developed by Baker. Uh, Robertson transferred the 700 Club from a nightly religious-themed telethon to a Christian talk show. And almost like a like a news, news broadcasting. Like they mm-hmm. would report news and, yes. like I said, kind mm-hmm. of distort it with the Bible. The Trinity Broadcasting um, Network is, and I'm going to tell you about that before we get, yeah, I think we just kind of need to know everything. So okay. The Trinity Broadcasting Network is an international Christian-based broadcast television network. The PTL Club, as I said, um, is also known as the Jim and Tammy Show later on. That was the Christian television program that they first hosted. And, and it ran from 1974 to 1989. I'm pretty sure that's the one I remember because that would have been like, when yeah. I was, you know. Yeah. If, um, it's also known as the PTL Today, would be later known as PTL Today, and um, also Heritage Today. So it kind of went through some transitions. And, and what does what does PTL stand for? Um, well, initially, it would stand for kind of interchangeably between Praise the Lord or People That Love. Praise the Lord. Praise yeah. the Lord. Okay. Woo-woo. All right. right. So during its final days, the PTL Club, um, which had adopted a talk show format, was the... Um, what am I trying to say? Flagship television program for the Baker's PTL satellite network. So, so they wh- created their own little network too. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it was a global evangelistical. Sorry, evangelical. Right? <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> evangelical Christian television network. Um, and they were based in Fort Mill, South Carolina. And it was founded in 1974, dedicated in April 1977. It ran for 14 years. They hosted several shows on there. The main one, their talk show, the PTL Club. Um, And they would become two of the most recognizable and highly regarded and highly rated televangelists in the United States. So they were basically on a pedestal. And I remember, like, people Mm -hmm. looked to them as their moral compass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as people do. And what they preached and... Uh, so, it, because this is the irony of it is, well, I'm not going to say anymore, but it does start start to crumble around them, right? Yes, actually, in um, 1987, it would collapse completely. Oh, okay. I thought it ran to, from 19 to 1989. It does, but that's when it, I guess that's when it started because, you know, we'll get Okay. And we okay. get into it, all right? So, the PTL Club had um, several different figures that they would invite on they would have religious figures as their guests such as billy graham i mean that is your pedestal preacher right there so billy graham oral roberts um even entertainers such as mr t pity the fool and mickey rooney the bakers um you know they aired that show and several other religious programs as well all right so throughout the 70s the bakers built a headquarters for their their ministry in the carolinas called heritage village now i did not know about this but this has a lot to do with um the scandal i mean there's a couple different things is heritage village is this like uh like a little town or is it just their well 
Sort of. Okay. So um, they created this village. There's supposed to be hotels and that sort of thing. And over time, they expanded the ministry to include Heritage USA, which was an amusement park. Hmm. Yeah. Um, in Fort, Fort Mill, South Carolina. Heritage USA became the third most successful theme park in the U.S. at the time. I have never heard of it. Neither have I. Heritage America. I'm thinking... Disney World and Disneyland probably are, the Disneys are probably uh-huh. one. Yeah, and Six Dollywood. Flags. Or well, Dollywood, Dollywood, too. Dollywood wasn't there back then. Oh, really? No, I don't know. I, don't, I think Dollywood is fairly new when it comes to theme parks. I want to go to Dollywood. So I would say Six Flags. Back then, it was Six Flags. Um, Disney. Disney. I don't know if Universal Studios had opened at that. Universal. Universal was open in the 70s because I remember vividly. Universal in California when I was three. Okay. Just Uh, where Jaws jumped out at the water at my window. Yes. That I remember Kobe. (laughs) I got him on that one, but yeah. Mm Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I had no idea. And that was the year my brother was born, so that was 1979. Heritage USA. Heritage USA. Third most successful theme park in the U.S. Viewer contributions were estimated to exceed $1 million a week. Holy shit. A week. So they're living life on the high on the hog. You know, you're talking about mansions and mm-hmm. cars. airplanes, cars. Yep, and all that comes up. All right. So with the proceeds to expand the theme park, the PLT clubs. Which, PTL. <laughs> see, the PTL's club was their club mission was to, you know, it, with the proceeds, expand the theme park. Expand the theme park. Baker responded to inquiries about his use of mass media, saying, I believe that if Jesus were alive today, he'd be on TV. And you know what? He might be. Yeah. I doubt it. But he might be. Might be. The Bakers had a lavish lifestyle, which I'm sure doesn't surprise you. No. At all. All right. So in 1990, a New Yorker article, an article in the New Yorker um, written by... Francis Fitzgerald quoted David ba- Dave Barry, whoever Dave Barry is. They personified the most characteristic excesses of the 1980s. The greed, the love of glitz, and the shamelessness, which in their case were so pure as to almost amount to a kind of innocence. That's very interesting because it's kind of like they felt like they deserved all this. Yeah, and it's like... So we have all this and we're doing all this, but it's like, I mean, they kind of. We're taking, people are sending us money. They're throwing their money at us. Mm-hmm. They want us to have this life. So this is God's right. plan for us. Yes. So remember that crazy guy that used to be the preacher here in town? Yes. The one that lost his, yes. life, the one who the lost his shit? Yeah. yeah. He was the same way. Like people were donating. Like sometimes they would send around. The, but he also did this thing where he would lock people in the church until he he would get so much money. Yeah. He wouldn't let them, like, he would yeah, have would, guards by the door and yes, stuff. Yes, yes. My dad visited the church one time. He was like, why is it, like, the se- the secret service in there? Yeah. And then um, I remember my dad was like, yeah, I gave him, like, 20 bucks. I'm like, you were visiting, Dad. I'm like, you don't, that that's for the church members, not for visitors. Yeah, but he, he may, you know, they basically would not let you leave. We got tricked yeah, into going. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> or holding hostage, false, uh, yeah. false imprisonment, false or whatever. Imprisonment. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then like he had all his books, and like, and then he totally went freaking haywire. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Anyway, so in 1979, Baker and his PTL ministry came under investigation for the first time by the FCC for allegedly misusing funds raised on the air. Huh. The FCC reported uh, report was finalized in 1982 and found that Bakers had raised $350,000 that he told the uh, viewers that would go towards funding overseas missions, but were actually used to pay for part of his um, Heritage USA. That is, that was actually a question that I was going to ask. Did they use any of these funds for missionary work? Did they, you know, sponsor children in in Africa or did they feed the homeless or I'm sure they probably did at some point um but that's but this particular investigation was about this $350,000 that they did not use as they said they were using them okay so um we already know that Heritage USA was an American theme park um built American by, Christian theme oh, park oh American Christian theme parks Excuse so me. at the water park you probably cannot wear your um your thong no okay Mm-mm. I don't know. Jimmy might like that. So it was approximately 2,300 acres and was built by a um, church builder named Roe Messner. I want you to remember his name. Roe Messner. Roe Messner. All right. Heritage USA, again, opened in 1978. And by 1986, it attracted nearly 6 million visitors annually. 
and employed around 2,500 people. I mean, that's kind of... That's huge. That, that, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. So, I mean, 1986, I, you know, I was only 10, so I'm not, you know, I probably wasn't on the up and up about, let's go to Heritage USA. My mom probably would have left me out of the house. The facilities included a 501-room Heritage Grand Hotel, the attraction Main Street USA, an indoor shopping complex, the Heritage Village Church, an upper room, a 400-unit campground, the Jerusalem Amphitheater, conference... Amph- amphitheater. Oh, I added an L there. Yeah. Okay. Um, conference facilities, King's Castle, a skating rink. What is King's Castle? I think that's the conference facility. Okay. Um, a can- uh, skating rink, prayer and counseling services, cable television production studios, Bible and evangelism school, visitor retreat housing, staff and volunteer housing, timeshares, and Heritage Island Water Park and Recreation Facilities. Crazy. So, and here, this is a little bit more detail. The third largest theme park by attendance with 4.9 million visitors per year behind Walt Disney World in Orlando and Disneyland in California. So it was beating out Six Flags and all of that. That's just insane to me. Whatever. So Heritage USA was um, described as the Christian version of Disneyland before the scandal that led to its closing. Oh. All right. Okay. So the report also found, the the FCC report also found that Tammy, Faye, and Jim were using the PTL funds for personal expenses. Shocking. I know. We're shocked Shocking. again. Yes. All right. So FCC commissioners voted four to three to drop the investigation, after which they allowed Baker to sell only the TV station that he owned, therefore bypassing future FCC oversight. So he just sold the t- the television station that he owned because mm-hmm. of federal communications uh, FCC. That's what they oversee. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the FCC forwarded their report to the Justice Department, who declined to press charges, citing insufficient evidence. Baker used the controversy to raise more funds from his audience, branding the investigation a witch hunt and asking viewers to give the devil a black eye. Oh, God. So the government is the devil and they're on a witch hunt because he's come under scrutiny to the FCC. Isn't that something? A confidential 1985 IRS report, however, found that $1.3 million in ministry funds were used for the Baker's personal benefit from 1980 to 1983. The report recommended that the PTL be stripped of its tax-exempt status, but no action was taken until the Jessica Hahn scandal in 1987, which I'll get into. Art Harris and Michael Isikoff wrote in the Washington Post that politics may have played a role in the three government agency taking no action against the PTL, despite the evidence against them, as members of the Reagan administration were not eager to go after television ministers whose evangel... Evangelical, oh my gosh, <laughs> evangelical, evangelical <laughs> followers made up their base. So this is very curious to me because yes, um, these this base is mostly Concerned. Republican, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so we're just going to let this go on because we don't want to upset these people. In January 1987, at the height of their success, Tammy Faye suffered a breakdown. According to John Wigger, <laughs> that's an unfortunate name. Okay, wait, you have to get rid of that too. <laughs> What's well, how do you say that? Uh, Wigger. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Oh my god. Okay, according to the author of PTL: The Rise and Fall of Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker's Evangelist. Why can't I say that word? Evangelical. I know how to say the word. What's wrong with me today? Evangelical empire. Um, And the PTL's former security chief, because that's what they need. Two months later, after she had entered the Betty Ford Center, the couple disclosed to their viewers in a videotaped message that Tammy Faye had been seeking treatment for a drug dependency. Do we know if that was alcohol or pills or what? I think a little of both. Okay. Um, I felt, this is her quote. I really felt I saw hell. I saw the other side, she she said of her condition in the Baker's videotaped message. The Bakers were rocked again when their hometown newspaper, the Charlotte Observer, published an expose revealing Jim Baker had a sexual encounter more than six years earlier with Jessica Hahn, a young secretary from Long Island, church secretary from Long Island. Okay, so Tammy Faye Baker uh, is, she's drugging and boozing. 
So she's not fully cognizant of things that are going on around her. Her husband had an affair six years earlier, but he's not having an affair now. Or is he? Mm. Because my question is, why does that matter? I mean, he could just like repent on air and people would forgive him. Right. Well, we're going to get into, we're going to get into that in a minute. So we're going to take a break for a, um, for an ad, right? Yeah. From okay. a word from our sponsor. A word from our sponsor. Hey, everyone. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Best Fiends. That's best friends without the R. When we want to kick back for relaxing fun, we turn to the mobile puzzle game, Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a puzzle game that you can play right on your phone. And it's really cool because you go through all these levels solving challenging puzzles that actually engage your brain. This is a casual game that anyone can play and it's really, really fun. I just made it to level 52 and I'm amazed at how my adorable characters have evolved throughout the game. Best Fiends is visually stimulating with bright colors and tons of cute characters. And Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a minute and tell you about today's sponsor, Girl Means Business. If you dream of starting your own business and being your own boss, or if you have a side hustle that you're wanting to grow, you've got to check out girlmeansbusiness.com. Kendra Swalls, the brainchild behind this brand, is an experienced career coach, entrepreneur, blogger, podcaster, and teacher who can help you take your business to the next level. At girlmeansbusiness.com, you will find everything you need to know to grow your business from free advice on building a client base, practical tips on using social media, an explanation of and advice on search engine optimization, and free resources that you can download right now. Listen to the Girl Means Business podcast for pro tips that give you immediate advice on how to turn your passions into profits. Follow your dreams, start your own business, and know that Kendra's got your back. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Kendra's been there, learning and making mistakes along her way. Failures can be your successes. Check out girlmeansbusiness.com today and follow your dreams. Now back to the show. All right, welcome back, Mercedes. Okay. (laughs) All right, just a little recap. We are talking about the scandals of Brought down the Baker Empire. All right. And you left off with the church secretary, Jessica Hahn. Yes. Now, do you describe later what she looked like? No, not really. Okay. So, I mean, was she beautiful? Was she, Mm -hmm. she was kind of like a model, right? Yes, she was. She was very Mm -hmm. beautiful. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I kind of, I'm going to tell you a little bit and then we'll kind of backtrack as to what actually happened. Okay. So um, Jessica Hahn received a $279,000 payoff. For her silence. For her silence. For her silence, yes. She would later allege that Jim Baker, the former PTL club co-host, and club host John Wesley Fletcher drugged and raped her. And then she was paid through the PTL funds by Baker's associate, Roe Messner. And that's the guy you said, don't forget Roe Messner. Yes, but still don't forget him. Okay. So she is, she's alleging being drugged and raped. That's a mm-hmm. pretty serious allegation. Yes. $279,000, I think, would buy my silence on that maybe uh, i don't know but that kind of empire i might require more yeah definitely mm-hmm. so baker who made the ptl organization's financial decisions alleged allegedly kept two sets of books to conceal accounting irregularly irregularities. The Charlotte Observer reporters, led by Charles Shepard, investigated the PTL's organization's finances and published a series of articles. So they were they were on the hunt. They, they were performing their own witch hunt, I guess you would say. Um, according to Hahn, on the afternoon of December 6, 1980, when she was 21 years old and was just a church secretary, she was drugged and raped by Baker and another preacher, John Wesley Fletcher, for about 15 minutes. That's all it took? I guess so. <laughs> on March 19, 19th, 1987, after the disclosure of the payoff to Han, Baker resigned from the PTL. Although he acknowledged that he has had a sexual encounter with Han at the hotel at a hotel room in Clearwater, Florida, he denied raping her. Baker was also the subject of homosexual and bisexual allegations made by John Wesley Fletcher and PTL director Jay Babcock, which he denied. See, that's what I remember. I do remember Jessica Han, but I also remember like he was accused of having young younger men as boyfriends. Oh, wow. Well, rival televangelist John Ankerberg appeared on Larry King Live and made several allegations against Baker, which both Bakers denied. 
And that's probably where you remember like the boys and the, or okay. the younger men or whatever. So Baker was succeeded as PTL head of the Southern Baptist by Southern Baptist pastor Jerry Falwell. Do you know that name? Yes. Okay. So didn't he, he have his own scandal? We're getting there. Okay. okay. So he chose Falwell. He chose Falwell as his successor because he feared that Pentecostal pastor Jimmy Swaggart was attempting to take over his ministry. Swaggart had initiated a church investigation into Baker over allegations of Baker's sexual misconduct. Oh, now, wow. Jimmy Swaggart is, if I'm, yeah, Jimmy Swaggart is the cousin of Jerry Lee Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis, yes. Right? Who is, married is his that right? Old cousin. Yes, that okay. is correct. Yeah. Swag, it was one of them. I know it was either Swaggart or, or Graham. No, a swagger, okay. not Billy Graham. All right. Okay. Baker also um, Baker believed that Falwell would temporarily lead the ministry until the scandal died down, but Falwell barred Baker from returning to the PTL on April 28, 1987. Later that summer, as donations declined sharply in the wake of Baker's regnancy, oh my gosh. What is wrong with me? It's three syllables. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. God, please don't make fun of me. Uh, <laughs> Regn- <laughs> oh my God, after he resigned. And the end of the Baker's PTL Club TV program. Falwell raised $20 million to keep the PTL solvent and took a promised water slide ride <laughs> at the Heritage USA. So it's kind of like, oh yeah, if we raise this much money, I'm going to ride this water slide. Yeah, right. <sighs> right. Falwell and the remaining members of the PTL board resigned in in October of 1987, stating that a ruling from a bankruptcy court judge made rebuilding the ministry impossible. Wow. In response to the scandal, Falwell called Baker a liar, an embezzler, a sexual deviant, and the greatest scab and cancer on the face of Christianity in 2,000 years of the church history. Oh, Lord, what an accusation. (laughs) Right? So on CNN, Swagger told... Larry King that Baker was a cancer in the body of Christ. In February 1988, Swaggart was involved in his own sexual scandal, um, being caught visiting prostitutes in New Orleans. Oh, wow. That's kind of like throwing stones in a glass house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hello kettle, meet the pot. Right. The Baker and Swaggart scandals had a profound effect on the world of televangelism, causing great greater media scrutiny of tang- televangelists and their finances. Falwell said that scandals had strengthened broadcast evangelism and made Christianity stronger, more mature, and more committed. Joe Carter of the Gospel Coalition compared the PTL scandal to the har- 19 or to the 2017 Harvey Weinstein sexual abuse. Well, it is. It was that big. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys like. I mean, they felt like they were bigger than life. They could do whatever they wanted without repercussions. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them still, I mean, they, well, a lot of people are like that today, too. Yeah. I mean, you hear about it all the time. Yep. So the PTL's fundraising activities between 1984 and 1987 were reported by the Charlotte Observer, eventually leading to criminal charges against Baker. Baker and his PTL associates sold $1,000 lifetime memberships, entitling buyers to an annual three-night stay at the luxury hotel at Heritage USA during that time so period. So it's like a timeshare. Yeah, and they, they, if they donated the $1,000, they'd get this lifetime membership, and then they could stay at this hotel. But according to the prosecution at Baker's fraud trial, tens of thousands of members were sold, but there was only one 500-room hotel ever finished. So they couldn't keep it up. Like, there right. wasn't enough room for this. They right. would never be able to do this annually. Um, so Baker's exclusive partnerships were, which exceeded capacity, raising more than twice the money needed to build the hotel. Much of the money paid for Heritage USA's operating systems and kept the Bakers, and the Bakers kept 3.4 million. Wow. Yeah. That's in a very short time period. You know, I mean, it's not like we're talking like 20 years. It that's, is, I, mean, I mean, it's just a few years. I, I'm thinking I mean, of a Ponzi of scheme here. It's not quite a Ponzi scheme, but kind of along those lines. It kind of is, yeah. Like if you pay a thousand dollars, um, um, if a, if you pay this thousand dollars, and you're going to get a three day trip, that would be their payout as this three day trip. Right. So that would make for it the rest like, of your life. Yeah. So I mean, so that kind of would be there the There just Ponzi aren't scheme. that many days in a year. Yeah. So after a 16-month federal grand jury probe, Baker was indicted in 1988 on eight counts of mail fraud, 15 counts of wire fraud, and one count of conspiracy. In 1989, after a five-week trial, which began on August 28th in Charlotte, North Carolina, a jury found him guilty on all 24 counts. Judge Robert Daniel Potter sentenced Baker to 45 years in federal prison and imposed a $500,000 fine. Wow. At the Federal Medical Center, Rochester, in Rochester, Minnesota, he shared a cell with activist Lyndon LaRouche, LaRouche, LaRouche. 
and skydiver Roger Nelson. I didn't look them up. Okay. So he is at a federal medical center. So he's not really in a prison. I, I didn't look that up, but he's not there long. All right. So the United States Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit upheld Baker's conviction on the fraud and conspiracy charges. But they voided his 45-year sentence and his $500 fine, $500,000 fine, and ordered a new sentencing hearing in February 1991. The court ruled that Potter's sentencing statement statement about Baker um, that I quote those of us who have a re- who have a religion are sick of being saps from money grubbing preachers and priests end quote they're stating that this was evidence that that the judge had injected his religious beliefs into Baker's sentence so a sentence reduction hearing was held on November 16 1992 Baker's sentence was reduced to eight years eight not eight. 80 okay eight in August of 1993 he was transferred to a minimum security federal prison in Jessup Georgia Baker was paroled July 19- 1994, after serving almost five years of his sentence, his son Jay spearheaded a letter writing campaign to the parole board advocating leniency. Celebrity lawyer Alan Dershowitz acted as his parole attorney, having said that he would guarantee that Mr. Baker would never again engage in the blend of religion and commerce that led to his conviction. Baker was released from the Federal Bureau of Prisons custody on December 1st, 1991, owing six million to the Internal Revenue Service. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So did they take away any of his money? Do we know that? Um, I don't, I'm sure they, yeah, I'm sure they probably did. They probably garnished all of that. So now I want to talk about Tammy Faye for a minute and then I'll come back to Jimmy Boy. Okay. So life for Tammy Bay. Tammy Bay. Tammy Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy Faye. So we already know that she had a breakdown. Okay. So just a little recap. The Baker's control of PTL collapsed in 1987 after re- um, revelations of a $280,000 payout um, to silence Jessica Hahn, which... I'm sure did not help the psyche of Tammy Faye. In his 1997 book, I Was Wronged, Baker disputed Han's account, claiming that he was set up and that the sex was consensual. Consensual. Of course he said that. Okay. Of course he did. So revelations invited scrutiny of the on the Bakers and charges made about their opulent lifestyles, um, and including media reports of air-conditioned dog houses. Wow. At their Tega Clay, South Carolina lakefront parsonage, which if it was a parsonage, that means they it's tax-free. It. Tax-free, right. yes. yeah. No property taxes. That crazy guy, yes. remember, he tried mm-hmm. to do that shit here. And, it, and, and he it got away with, no. no. Yes, no. Okay, I'll look I'll look it up. Mm-mm. They they said well, no, because he sued. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he won. The lakefront parsonage, as well as gold-plated bathroom fixtures, dominated newscast, newscast in the 1980s. When asked about her income, um, Tammy Faye told reporters in 1986, we don't get what Johnny Carson makes, and we work a lot harder than him. So they're comparing their show to like to Johnny Carson. The couple's Tega home was later sold by the ministry and burned to the ground not long after. <laughs> Baker wrote in his book, I Was Wrong, that he watched the home burn on live television while incarcerated. The Charlotte Observer subsequently ran exposés on PTL finances and management practices. The PTL went bankrupt after being taken over by a Lynchburg, Virginia-based Baptist televangelist, Jerry Falwell, who offered to step in following the scandals in 1988. Tammy Faye stood by Baker through the scandal, including several instances when she cried on camera. And that's what... At the beginning when you oh, said yeah, her makeup. Makeup. Yep. In 1989, Baker was sentenced to 45 years, and then it was reversed. In 1992, while Baker was still in prison, she filed for divorce. State, saying in a letter to the New Covenant Church in Orlando, Florida, for years I have been pretending that everything was all right, when in fact I, I hurt all the time. I cannot pretend anymore. Aww. All right, so on October 3rd, 1993, she married property developer Roe Messner. Whoa. The guy who paid off Jessica Hahn. Right. She marries him. So they got married in California after he divorced his own wife. Now, were they having an affair I don't think beforehand? So. I mean, I don't think so. There I, mean, was, I didn't read anything that even alluded to that at okay. all. They moved to Charlotte, suburbs of Matthew, North Carolina. Matthews, North Carolina. Tammy and Roe were neighbors to Christian recording star and friend David L. Cook. Roe, who had been contra- who had a contracting business, Mesner Enterprises in Andover, Kansas, had built much of the Heritage USA, which I already said, as well as num- numerous other large churches, and had had been a family friend to the Bakers throughout the PLT years. PTL. Yeah, I keep saying that. PTL. Roe was one 
uh, was the one who produced the money to Jessica Hahn. Um, so, okay, so first you said 279, then you said 285, and now it's 265,000. So it's somewhere in that area. So she got almost $300,000. Yeah, $300,000. I didn't, I'm, and I might have mistyped there. It's so okay. I was just, I was just curious because it's still a lot, no matter what it is. Right. So almost $300,000. So, and um, he also later billed PTL for work that was never even completed. So, apparently, he never even completed that Jerusalem Amphitheater that we talked about at the Heritage USA. And the Baker's fraud trial, Roe testified for the defense saying Falwell had sent Messner to the home of Baker in Palm Springs, California to make the offer to keep quiet. Uh, okay. So Falwell was included in the keep quiet scheme. Oh, Falwell was. And then he turns around and backstabs That's him. what, that's what Messner, Roe Messner is saying. Okay. All right. In 1996, Roe was convicted of bankruptcy fraud. These are stand up people. Really? Having claimed to own, um, to owed nearly 30 million to more than 300 creditors in 1990. As he faced sentencing in 1996, he said that he could not afford to treat his prostate cancer because he lacked health care insurance. He was sentenced to serve 27 months in prison. So Tammy is just, you know, she's, a- she's picking some real winners here. Yeah. But she's living a lavish lifestyle. So, oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. The same year, Messner published her. Her uh, Messner being now Tammy Faye, published okay. her own autobiography, Tammy Telling It My Way. And she co-hosted a TV talk show, The J. Jim and Tammy Faye Show. With the Jim J. Jim J. Bullock. With Jim J. Bullock. Okay. In 19, um, excuse me, in July 2007, on more solid financial footing, the Messners relocated to Lock Lloyd, Missouri, a suburb of Kansas City. Jim Baker had relocated his operations to Branson, Missouri in 2003. She told Entertainment Tonight that they moved to their dream house to be closer to Rose's children and grandchildren from his first marriage. As her second husband was jailed, she was first diagnosed with colon cancer, and she re-entered the public eye in a series of books, movies, and television appearances. She was the subject of a documentary entitled The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which was narrated by RuPaul. Oh my gosh. And a follow-up film titled Tammy Faye, Death Defying. Was that like satirical or was it... I mean, RuPaul would be the opposite of what she stood for, right? Not any longer. She appeared twice on the Drew Carey show in 1996 and 1999, playing the mother of character Mimi Bobak, which was the lady with all the makeup. Yeah. Kathy Kinney, who was also known for wearing excessive amounts of makeup. On September 11th, 2003, she published a new autobiography, I Will Survive and You Will Too, in which she describes her battle with cancer and her life with Mesner. So basically with her writing, she's starting to make her own money. She's making her own money, yeah. So because you know people are buying that, buying that up. I mean, that's like buying gossip magazines. And people definitely want to know about this one. People were intrigued. There are a lot of books. I couldn't have even read one of them in this amount of time, let alone all of the books that have been written about these two. Despite the background in Christian fundamentalism, Mesner became a gay icon after her parting from PTL, appearing in gay pride marches such as with such figures as Lady Bunny and Bruce Vilak. I don't know any of those I don't people. either. Okay. Unlike many American Christian fundamentalists, she had long refused to denounce homosexuals and also expressed compassion towards and urged support in Americans with HIV AIDS when it was still a much feared and unknown disease. This really kind of, to me, puts her in a more positive light. I did not know this about her because I know that watching 700 Club and and Pat Robertson, that they are so anti-gay. So Mm -hmm. this is something new that I did not know about her. Mm -hmm. I really respect her for that. In the 1980s, she interviewed an AIDS patient on her program, making an impassioned plea to Christians to love and accept their gay brethren. She was benevolently referred to as the ultimate drag queen. Oh, even over Dolly or Cher? I have never heard of Dolly being compared to a drag queen. Dolly Parton? Yes, like people dress like her. Drag queens dress like her all the time. Oh, yeah. I thought you were meaning like they're calling her the. Well, I would think like people would dress like her. That would be like what I would. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know. They were calling her the ultimate drag queen. I guess maybe. So I thought of Dolly because Dolly said that she was in a contest with Dolly uh, lookalikes that were males and she lost. That's funny. Do they know that she was Dolly? No, I guess not oh. because she lost. That's funny. And so, and she said in her last interview with Larry King, when I went, when we lost everything, it was the gay people who came to my rescue. And I will always love them oh, for that. Oh, that's sweet. In, the early two, in early 2004, she appeared 
on the second season of VH1 reality show, The Surreal Life. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> the show chronicled a 12-day period wherein she and oh, Ron, Jeremy, Vanilla Ice, Tracy Bingham, Eric Estrada, and Trishel Canatella. Canatella lived together in a Los Angeles house and were assigned various tasks. Oh, so that's you- kind of desperation, uh, uh, right? All these people are... Oh, there's has been. Oh, God. I and guess. she's in there with Ron Jeremy. Ew. Ew. Together, the six put on a children's play and managed a restaurant for a day. She also attended a book signing at her bestseller, I Will Survive and You Will Too. At the end of the show, Mesner said she thought of Vanilla Ice and Trishel Canatella as children and could relate to them deeply because she had similar feelings and problems they had at their age. That oh. she had. Their, I don't know who the Trishel Cantella. I don't know who that is either, but Eric Estrada is creepy too. From Chips. Yeah, and he like, was a wife beater. Oh, He's yeah. been. Oh yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. All right. So Tammy Faye's eleven years with cancer cancer were highly publicized. She was first diagnosed with colon cancer in '96, and the disease went into remission by the end of that year. Didn't Farrah Fawcett also have colon cancer? I think so. Mm. In 2004, um, Tammy Faye made an appearance again on Larry King Live, announced that she had inoperable lung cancer oh. and would soon begin chemotherapy she continued to re- she continued receiving chemotherapy throughout mid 2004 in November 2004 also on Larry King Live she announced that she was cancer free once again she described the details of chemotherapy and continued to appear regularly regularly on King's show a television documentary of her struggle with cancer was produced in 2004 it was on King's program again that she announced in July 2005 that her cancer had returned March 2006 she appeared on the show again stated that she was continuing to suffer from lung cancer, which had reached stage four, and that she was continuing to receive treatment for it. She also mentioned having difficulty swallowing, suffering from panic attacks, and enduring substantial weight loss. As her health continued to worsen, a Talk of the Town article in October 2006 of The New Yorker stated that she was dying in hospice care. And in 2000, December 2006, article in Walter Scott's column in Parade magazine reported that her son Jay was at a North Carolina hospice with his mom, who is gravely ill with colon cancer. So she had colon cancer and lung cancer. I think the colon cancer might have developed into the lung cancer. I'm not I'm not sure if it was just two different cancers or if they kind of mm-hmm. metastasized yes. into the... Okay. Um, Tammy Faye was a guest by phone on Larry King Live December 2006 and stated that she was receiving hospice care in her home. She appeared um, in her son's documentary One Punk Under God wherein they talked about her cancer treatments. In one episode she required the use of oxygen in order to talk. May 2000 she issued a statement on her website saying that that chemotherapy had stopped but urging her fans to continue to pray for her. The story was reported on the Today Show and and a feature which fans and well-wishers could um, post get well messages to Tammy and that were added to her website. In July of 2007, uh, another message appeared on Larry King Live in what turned out to be her final interview. Another appearance, excuse me. At the at the time, she said she weighed 65 pounds. Oh, dear Lord. And was unable to eat solid food. Um, Mesner's husband, Roe, would later say that he believed that she chose to do the interview to say a final goodbye to her friends. The her. following day, or her fans, excuse me. On the following day, on July 20th, 2007, Mesner died after 11 years with cancer. She oh, was 65 Lord. years old. Um, what started as colon cancer spread to her lungs. She died in her home, said her publicist, Joe Spots. A family service was held on the morning of July 21st in the Mesner family plot in Waldron, Kansas. The ceremony was officiated by Reverend Randy McCain, the pastor of Open Door Community Church in Sherwood, Arkansas. According to CNN.com, the family requested that King officially report the news of her death. Her remains were cremated and her ashes were returned to Walden Cemetery where they were subsequently buried. Mm. So very sad. She's fought a long time. Yeah, and she kind of came back to be an independent woman, which I respect that. I mean, if that was her own doing. Right, right. And I know lung cancer is like an ugly, ugly life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's awful. And cold cancers too and I'm mm-hmm. I mean I'm not it didn't say I didn't read anywhere but she might have she possibly probably had uh, surgeries and that is one hellacious surgery to have when you have colon cancer because I have a friend who just had it and it was awful I mean it's a they basically cut you in half yeah oh. so um so let's get back to Jim now Jim does return to televangelism didn't his attorney say that he wasn't going to do that anymore did yeah, I thought that was a part religion of his plan. Like he wasn't supposed to be in religion and commerce, but yeah. and televangelism yeah. isn't that yeah? Would we consider that? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, evangelism means you just spread the word of God. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're collecting money. <laughs> you keep giving me that look. Okay. <laughs> this is true. But, okay, anyway. In 2003, Baker began broadcasting the Jim Baker Show daily at a Studio City cafe in Branson, Missouri, with his second wife, Lori. So he's gotten remarried as well. It has been carried by CTN, Daystar, Folk TV, Grace Network, GBE America, Hope TV, Impact Network, WGN. I mean, just like it goes on and on and on and on and on. So... Most of Baker's audience receives his program on DirecTV and Dish Network. I guess that's why I haven't heard of all this. Thank God. (laughs) Baker condemned the prosperity theology that he took part in in his early career. All right. And embraced, and has embraced apocalypticism. Apocalypticism. So now he is preaching the end of days, the apocalypse, like what some of our other preachers are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, get them by fear. That's, yeah. That's the one. Way. That's like, what is that? What do they call that? Um, Brimstone and fire? Yeah, fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean. It, this goes to like Michael Ryan and Gordon Call and David Koresh and all, you know. He's, well, I mean, th- lots of people believe in the apocalypse. Just depend on how far well, you take what it. Well, when you're talking about the millennial survivalist yeah, focus. Yeah, Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> he's like all those that we've already done. Yes, yes. So his show has a millennial survivalist focus and sells bucket of freeze-dried food to his audience in preparation for end of days. So like a survivalist, you know, and and you can be like a, a doomsday prepper, I guess is kind of like, there was a show like that for a while. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Reeve wrote in the Atlantic that Baker's doomsday food is overpriced. <laughs> his doomsday food is overpriced. A lot of that stuff is overpriced. I know this. Okay. But it, that doomsday food you is like... You know this? Yeah, because it, they sell that stuff in like those... Like rifle magazines and oh stuff like that. Oh, my God. Have you tried it? Yeah, it's just MREs. Okay. So a man named Jerry Crawford, who sell, who credits Baker with having saved his marriage, invested $25 million in a new ministry for Baker in Blue Eye, Missouri, named Morningside. Production for The Jim Baker Show moved to Morningside in 2008. So he's gone back on his word already. I guess if somebody else... If he's not getting the proceeds of it, it's different. And he's not... Remember, he's not trying to, like... Um, you know, he's not trying to gain profit from it. Yeah, like but that's he's, not true if he's overpriced on this doomsday meal, or right? Whatever. But he's not saying send me your money. Da-da-da-da. He's okay. selling a good All right. or whatever. I mean, okay, it's splitting hairs at this point. But yeah, so in 2013, Baker wrote, "Time has come: How to prepare for the epic events ahead." about end-time events. Baker has changed his views on prosperity theology, which we're going to talk about. In his 1980 book, 1980 book, Eight Keys to Success, he stated, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be prosper. And I believe that. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Go ahead. In his 1996 book, I Was Wronged, <laughs> he admitted for the first time that he actually read the Bible all the way through when he was in prison. Hmm. Baker also wrote that he realized that he had taken passages out of context, used them as proof texts to, to support his prosperity theology. So Baker revived shows, show features um, like a number of ministers who build themselves as prophets. He now says that the PTL stands for Prophets Talking Loud. Oh, so now he's a prophet. Yeah. All right. All right. And in October 2017, you ready for this? Okay. Okay, this is only three years ago. Okay, yeah, so hold on to your seats. All right. Okay, don't read ahead. All right. Baker said God will punish those who ridicule him. He has said that Hurricane Harvey was a judgment of God and blamed Hurricane Michael on then president. Oh, yeah, sorry. Michael is our hurricane. Blamed Hurricane Matthew on then-President Barack Obama. Oh, yes, because he has that much power. Yeah. yeah. Baker predicted that if current President Donald Trump is impeached, Christians would begin a second American Civil War. He compared the, the 2017 Washington train derailment to the sinking of the RMS Titanic and stated the Amtrak train derailment was a warning from God. He also claimed that he predicted September 11th attacks of 2001, stating that he saw 9-11 in 1999 before New Year's Eve, and that there would be terrorism and bombings in New York City and Washington, D.C. A few days after the Stone Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, he stated that in a dream, God came to him wearing camouflage 
a hunting vest and an AR-15 strapped to his back, and that God supported Trump's plan to arm teachers. Following the death of Billy Graham on February 21st, 19, or 2018, Baker attended Graham's funeral, paid respect, stating that Graham was the greatest preacher since Jesus, and also uh, remarking that Graham had visited him in prison. Ed Brayton called Baker a false prophet in an article on Pat Patheos, Patheos website, and Jeffrey Greider called him a false teacher on the Now on Now the End Begins website. On the Stand in the Gap Today radio program, Pennsylvania Pastor Network President Sam Rohrer criticized Baker's Civil War prediction. Christians Today criticized Christian Today criticized Baker Baker's show for preying on the most vulnerable kind of people and claimed that it had no place on our TV screens. Amen. Mm-hmm. You ready? He's got some more. He's oh. got some more. So he's still around. Oh, he's yeah. still talking. Oh, oh yeah. God. All right. So Baker sells colloid silver what? supplements. Now, what is that? I have no idea. Colloidal, colloidal silver. silver. Okay. I'm going to look that up. Go ahead. Okay. Which he advertised as a panacea. Panacea? Uh-huh. It's a cure-all. Okay. In March 2020, the Office of the Attorney General of New York ordered Baker to cease making false medical or medicinal claims about his supplements that alleged the ability to cure the 2019-2020 strains of the coronavirus. Okay, so here it says that um, colloidal silver is often claimed a cure-all boosting your immune system, but it is it does cause serious side effects, according to a government website, which a lot of those people think is conspiracy. But it's basically tiny silver particles and a liquid that is sometimes promoted on the internet as a dietary supplement, and it can cause poor um where does it say poor absorption of drugs yeah silver can build up in the body's tissue causing a bluish gray discoloration of large areas of skin especially those exposed to the sun hmm. people have developed argyria i don't know what that is but it doesn't ugh. sound good i don't want it no. i don't want it all right so the attorney general of new york said you need to cut that shit out stop so saying here it's we gonna have the coronavirus <laughs> right. and now he's trying to sell the supplement yeah oh, saying Lord. that it cures it the fatal trait federal Federal Trade Commission and FDA also sent warning letters to Baker about his claims regarding the supplements and the coronavirus. A Missouri Attorney General, the and Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt filed a lawsuit against Baker and Morningside Church Productions for misrepresentations about the effectiveness of silver solution as a treatment for the 2019 um, coronavirus. Baker is represented by former Missouri Governor Jay Uh. Nixon in his lawsuit against the state, who has argued the suit to be dismissed. Nixon says the allegations made in the lawsuit are false, stating Baker is being fairly unfairly targeted by those who want to crush his ministry and force his Christian television program off the show. Well, he should not be trying to sell this snake oil either. Exactly. That's exactly. I mean, it is. People buy this. People believe in this yeah. because... Especially desperate people. And I don't understand the... Like like with my mother, you know, she would send all these televangelists money and it's like, why? Why? Okay. I know, I know. In April, prohibited from receiving credit card transactions, Baker disclosed to his view- viewers that his ministry was on the brink of filing for bankruptcy and urgently petitioned, petitioned them for donations. The following month, GEB America and World Harvest Television dropped Baker's program from their networks after AT&T asked channels to reconsider airing his show. Connecticut-based liberal Christian group Faithful America also began deplatforming a deplatforming campaign against Baker. Oh, Lord. So this is just this past April. Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, they're really coming Well, he's at going him. back to his bad ways, yeah. and that's bad advice. Yep. Dershowitz said he wasn't going to do that. Would, yeah. His lawyer. On May- Isn't Dershowitz the same guy that did Jeffrey Epstein? I'm pretty sure Alan Dershowitz represented Jeffrey Epstein. And OJ. Yeah, okay. Pretty sure. Could be wrong, but one of, yeah, pretty sure. Because he's like a lawyer I know, at I know Harvard was or Kardashian Yale. was also Well, yeah, he, Kardashian, Kardashian was just his friend. Part he, of the t- but he was one of the attorneys on the team. He was, but he was more his friend than the attorney. Okay. Kind of, because that's not like really 
the kind of he was on the dream team but okay um may 8th Lori baker announced that jim baker had suffered a stroke which his son jay um described as minor Lori stated that he would be taking a sabbatical from the program until he recovers she blamed the stroke on baker's hard work of his show and wrote that he that he had described the criticism against him the most vicious attack he had ever experienced quit trying to make money off the backs of hard-working people yep yep He's just a dirtbag, in my opinion. Well, mine too. I mean, that's yeah. just awful. Yep. I mean, he's taking advantage of this pandemic. And then people don't take it seriously, as yeah. we were saying. You know, like you said earlier, that somebody thinks that masks are part of a conspiracy. Yeah. I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt you if you wear a mask. I mean, please who cares? Yeah, please wear a mask. Please. Mm-hmm. Or just don't go anywhere. Right? No, I, that's my philosophy. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like we don't know who's who you've come. I don't know who you've come into contact with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my children, they go out. My husband goes out in the world. Yeah, mine I too. stay home. But yeah. well, any of them I mean, can bring it to me. And, I mean, I was just telling you, we, I, my husband has a good close family friend of ours that's in ICU. Right. And he's already kind of sickly. So, I mean, if they sedate him and innovate him, I don't know. I mean, he's. He already has lung function issues, so right. I mean, we're really kind of worried. Right, it I is. Mean, it's very scary. He's 38, 39 years old. Stay safe. Please stay safe out there, people. Yeah, I mean, wearing a mask, you know, it doesn't bother anyone. And I don't wear a mask every single place I go. I'm guilty of that. But if I'm going to the grocery, I mean, I don't go many places. You know, my part-time job, I'm required to wear it. And if I go to the grocery store, which I try not to even go to, but oh. there's been a couple times I've had to go. Yeah. I, wear like, a order, I, I wear a mask. I wear a mask. I mean, I don't wear a mask into a restaurant, but when we went, when we were in Gainesville for your lip, mm-hmm. we were required, like Gainesville yeah. has a city ordinance, actually county ordinance, yep. that you have to wear a mask. And I thought, well, how am I going to eat with a mask on? Yeah. Yep. And they are enforcing it. I mean, yeah. I've seen lots of posts where people say towns aren't enforcing it. They were in Gainesville. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, they yeah. straight said, we can't, you have to put your mask on before we can sit you. And then you said, well, how are we supposed to eat? And they said, well, you can take it off once you get to the table, but you got to have it on right. on the way to the table. Right. Which is true because I might sneeze on somebody's food or something yeah. as we walk it past. Remember when I knocked on that table <laughs> it's walking fast? <laughs> no. Okay. Mm-mm. That was, that was on one of our fun nights. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. But it was, that was like a couple of times. That was that like was a year after ago. we went to the podcast. Yes, right? yeah, yes. Our favorite podcast. <laughs> yes, right. we well, had yeah. some drinks that night. Yes, we just a few. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Cindy, and thank you all for listening to this week's murder. We appreciate sharing our passion with you, and we thank you for your support. If you'd like to support us even further, please consider subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five star rating and a comment. I also learned that this really helps when we get ratings and comments. This helps other people notice our podcast and, uh, you know, we we need more supporters. So help us out there because your subscription and ratings are essential to our success. You can do this on your favorite platform. For more information, links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com. Also shoot us an email at truecrimepodcast at gmail.com with suggestions for shows, constructive criticism, or even just a simple hello. Yes, we are so grateful to spend our time together to share our murderous stories, or in this case today, just true crime. Right? And we learned more because when I started the research, I didn't know about this coronavirus conspiracy that he had going on. I, I've learned a lot. <laughs> I actually learned a lot this time. Like, praise the Lord and the 700 Club. Like, yeah, yeah it's very yeah. interesting. And I mean, Tammy I know. Faye, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it took us some time to get into it, but I really felt like I really needed to cover that backstory yeah, for it, you to it, really it embrace. It's a little refreshing from the normal. Yes. So thank you for your support. Please recommend It Wasn't Me to your true pride loving friends and family. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters. You are the extra. You too can become one of our beloved patrons by signing up at patreon.com forward slash it wasn't me pod. Thanks again, guys. And remember, it it wasn't wasn't me. me.